0: Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect. With the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Beckerman of Cree Tech, Tech Climate, and welcome to my podcast, Cree Climate Cast. For this episode, this is a uh, a quite special one for me uh, personally and professionally, of course. I'm interviewing, speaking with one of my real mentors in the real estate industry. And also, I think the person that is inspiring us most at Cretech Climate in terms of following his lead, his team's lead in sustainability, ESG, DEI in the real estate industry. So I'm speaking about Brian Coop, Executive Vice President, and Ben Myers, VP of Sustainability for Boston Properties, the largest, I, I believe, the largest publicly traded real estate company in the US.
1: Coop, great to see you, Ben. Thanks for joining. Thank Mike. Always good to be with you at CRE Tech. We love you guys and appreciate the content that you guys keep putting out.
0: Thanks, Coop. And uh, you know, this is also the first time I've interviewed two people, and I think it's just going to make for a great, lively, casual, informative discussion. Coop, I want to start with you, right? So you're 20, 22 years or something like that at Boston Properties, right? Yeah. We met when you were back at Trammell Crow in the day. I think probably a couple of years, you know, twenty-five years, if not longer, uh, yeah. up in Boston. And you know, you've been instrumental with your colleagues, Ray Ritchie and many others at, at Boston Properties in building some of the great properties developments in the world. Right? I mean, it's truly extraordinary going through your portfolio and how the company has grown. What I'd love to hear from you, though, is sort of like. Given that you've been at the company for so long, how has the sustainability ESG philosophy strategy evolved? Because most of us, again, you know, we, we're all really getting to know Ben and all the great work he's been doing. We think of Boston Properties as a leading edge real estate developer, the technology that Jim Whalen has been able to lead, but sustainability has become such an important part of the company's DNA. How has this evolved and where's it coming from?
1: Yeah. So I'd have to say that like a lot of things in life, the best stuff is organic Mm. and it's really been an organic growth. So let's say it's 20 years ago, Michael, it really started with, I got exposed to things through my children which is really wild when you think about it and they're coming home with school projects, et cetera. So let's say there was that little kernel there. We always had a bent as a company for great design and you know, it's a passion of mine. So the design piece, if you really focused on design and you're a reader of like Roger Martin and people like that and follow the great design companies of the world, like Apple, it's a natural thing to bring in the sustainability piece so I think it was a combination of those things. And I would tell you, there was a documentary back in 2004, Design E Squared by PBS, that just put me me over the top, which led to, call it, everybody had to watch it in our company that i pass it along to, and it kind of grew from there. But I'd have to say it was organic, continues to grow, and happy about it.
0: Yeah, and Ben, from your perspective, I mean, you've been, at, I think, the company for about nine years or so, and great, great experience prior to that at Harvard and the construction sector as well. What is your perspective on how the company's sustainability ESG strategy has evolved? You know, given your tenure at the company,
2: I think that I'm fortunate. I'm working with a leading company and getting to advance our impact on sustainability across a huge platform of 52 million feet of commercial Class A real estate on a development. Level and also management of our existing in service buildings. And my perspective on Boston properties since I've been here the last eight years is that this is one of the most disciplined, thoughtful companies that really sees the entirety of the game. We have a vertical integration uh, from the boardroom to the boiler room. And we have great leaders like Brian Coop who have this long term vision for the communities we serve, wants to see them thrive, wants cities like Boston to thrive. And so. That long-term core investment philosophy has shaped everything we do around sustainability. And the reason we're able to discover the ROI is because we see the whole game, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are making decisions with a very thin slice of reality, and they don't see the full picture. You can get away with that on energy conservation measures that pay back in four years, Mm -hmm. but you can't do the leading initiatives and big, bold projects that leaders like Brian Coop have advanced for the company.
0: Yeah, well said. For both of you, Coop, and for Ben, before we get into the specifics of you know your ESG report 2020, which was phenomenal and a real sort of Thank blueprint you. for any real estate company or any organization for that matter to follow. I mean, I've studied it. I've repeated it. I've memorized it. It's been my <laughs> blueprint. But what I love to also just understand, because so many real estate companies are coming to this now and you've been there, right? With a company as big as as Boston Properties, Coop and Ben, how do you implement this culturally throughout the entire organization? Because this is not just one or two tools that you're adopting. This is company-wide. So how do you do that with an organization as big as yours?
1: Yeah, Michael, I'd say that it's really like one of the fundamentals of good leaders and good leadership. And that is Even though people will say to me, Coop, not again, sustainability, you have have to keep repeating it. You Mm -hmm. have to keep repeating it because not only is it um, you've got new people joining you all the time and you forget how many new people you get every year in a large organization, right? Even with a company like ours where people stay forever you got to keep repeating it. you got to keep talking about it. And you have to make it part of what we call your stance. Mm-hmm. And your stance is more than a mission statement to us, Michael. It's, it's a stance is also not only what you believe in and why, but what you don't believe in, right, mm-hmm. to differentiate and make it clear to everybody you have and never, never stop. Because the moment you stop, it gets forgotten.
0: That's great. The stance. I love that. Ben, what are your thoughts about how do you implement such a comprehensive plan company wide? What are some of the best practices that you've adopted?
2: Sure. Yeah, you look at the development spend, you know, north of $2 billion and that 52 million feet of operating portfolio and the hundreds of people that run our buildings and the the additional hundreds that influence investment decision making. It's all about engagement. So we have three committees, an active operational sustainability committee of 35 senior decision makers and leaders and others that just take a passion uh, and, and really want to get involved in sustainability that meets frequently. We have a corporate steering committee that works on all of our ESG initiatives, and we've seen the rise of S, and that's been really important to have that corporate, legal, HR, risk management muscle engaged in sustainability to make the kinds of disclosures we're making. And then at the board level, we have a standalone sustainability committee now chaired by an expert. We have Diane Hoskins, the co-CEO of Gensler, an expert in sustainability, happens to be a Black woman, the best in the business that is on our board. So we're extremely fortunate to have her on that committee, along with uh, Doug Lindy and Owen Thomas, our president and CEO, and so that top-down embrace really helps me in the middle <laughs> talk to so many people across the organization about what we're doing and why we're doing it, and get more buy-in. One other point I, I think that's significant, given this you know virtual context that we're we're working in more frequently now, hopefully less. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to definitely hope so. <laughs> These tools have been great for training and outreach. And while I hate, you know, steer it, like staring at like face pressed up to a laptop, I'd much rather be with you. If we want to do a training for 200 people on indoor air quality, we can do it the next day and right. get everybody there. That's a huge advantage for somebody who's trying to spread the gospel, if you will, to, to more uh, agents across the company.
0: Right. That's great. Uh, for both of you, again, before we take a, a deep dive into the actual report and some of the initiatives, you know, Coop, you've been friends of mine for, for so long, and you've been following us for so long and supporting us, and Ben, of, of course, as well. You know we're on this mission with Climate to try and educate, inspire, drive adoption and investment in climate technologies because the built world as a whole contributing 40% or more of all carbon emissions more than any other industry. We have a responsibility. We have an opportunity. I'd love to just get, you know, your take on, you know, how do we inspire? How do we make the pitch to the industry at large, to tenants in your buildings, to residents in your apartment? How do we make the pitch? Why does the real estate industry need to be leading the way? In addressing climate change as well as obviously esg
1: what we have found and it took me a while to figure this out is that preaching just is not effective educating is effective and then also leading by example and i know it's a common phrase but maybe it's you just have to do it and then when you do it and you have a building like 888 Boylston, the most sustainable building in boston record lease up time record rental rates and that building previously would have been considered a mid-block building with no views, right? Totally differentiates. And what we're finding is you just have to do it and lead by example because if you come off preachy, nobody wants to listen to you. Right. And I love what you're talking about with Sierra Tech being an educator. That that has really paid off for us, hasn't it, Ben?
2: Yes. Yes, it has. And I. We spent a lot of time engaging with the public. One example is our health security plan that we issued in May of last year. Yeah. We put that out on the street because we wanted everyone to have a framework that we thought was great. We we received tremendous feedback uh, that we made that a public resource. And we helped cities like Boston uh, prepare to, to weather the storm, if you will, of the COVID-19 pandemic. I think that we do have an obligation to lead by example and demonstrate best practice with case studies. And 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 Coop has prepared a lot of those with the stance and executing on the stance. But I do think that there are a lot more stakeholders that are mm-hmm. pushing the ball forward that weren't there before. Institutional capital is a huge driver now. It's going to move a lot of the industry. Customers have greater demands. And it's not just leaders like Google and Microsoft. It's It's a much broader set of customers that are asking about green power and carbon and sustainability and water and waste and things that they hadn't been focused on before. Uh, And then employees. Uh, Employees really want to work at a company that's doing the right thing. And and they want to do well by doing good. And we have employees that are attracted to Boston Properties because of our our leadership role in sustainability. And also,
1: Michael, I'd Uh, say that you add the communication part to the employees, Ben, What Ben's helped us to do so effectively is to communicate in simple terms instead of getting into complicated things like carbon footprint, et cetera, Mm -hmm. just make it about our big three. Mm -hmm. And then when you gather a bunch of achievers, have a scoreboard, it Mm -hmm. becomes contagious.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And, and, and listen, the leadership is desperately needed. So I could preach because that's my job, but we need the industry to follow the lead of Boston properties in, in this regard, in both, you know, climate technology, sustainability, inclusion, et cetera, because the world's, you know, the future generations are dependent upon our industry leading the way. So yeah, I, I'll I'll do the preaching, but uh. well, I
1: think but I think what what the nuance of it, Michael, that you're doing is you educate and you yeah. provide people with information, yeah, which is different than preaching and it's I know. Something that you guys do so well. Thanks, Coop. So let's let's unpack it, guys. This
0: 2020 ESG report. Like, I would love to sort of understand Coop and Ben as well. Of course, like how do you put something like that together? What is the process? Because I mean it's it's about carbon neutral operations. It's about the board of directors. It's about, you know, there's so much there to unpack. So just at a high level, Coop, how does the company, you know, produce such a document, such a report?
1: I'd say the first big move we made to be able to do this was we took and put Ben in a leadership position for this because you have to have somebody who's knowledgeable that can gather all the facts because I'm out in the field and we're producing great stuff. But if you don't collect it and put it into um, content and strategy, it's you're losing a lot of the power. So I'd say Ben, he's the author of this. So Ben, maybe comment on the details of how you put it together.
2: Yeah, it, I wasn't excited about the corporate role initially because I thought it would be just reporting. So it's <laughs> it's not what I like to hold up as our successes. It's more about the goals and the initiatives and what we're trying to advance. But the report itself is a amazing work product. So many people have their, their hands in it. Uh, we've been on a 10-year journey of reporting, starting with the Boston region and their big three, energy, water, waste. They were co- collecting information through the EPA Portfolio Manager tool, a free tool um, it's how you get your Energy Star score. So we had Energy Star as an early benchmark, and we adopted that back in 2006, 2007. Uh, and then around 2011, as I said, 10 years ago, we really got started trying to flesh out a sustainability report. And it was a few pictures of green leaves and some hands <laughs> and you know all the, the fluffy greenwash imagery from yeah. whatever stock photo website we could find. And then uh, it really evolved into a GRI-aligned sustainability report that covers all aspects of ESG, and that's why when you look at the table of contents in the ESG report from 2020 that we released on Earth Day, it's so comprehensive because you, you have to cover all these basics of the Global Reporting Initiative (GRI). Everything that's in that report is indexed at the back of the report against that standard, and we work with Arab to help align with the GRI index. And We have just an amazing team at Boston Properties that wants to tell our story that shovels in all the information we need every year. Uh, the, the muscle that we've developed at the property management level to gather tens of thousands of data points of energy, emissions, water, and waste data is incredible. Sometimes, I, sometimes it just occurs to me like I get struck with it like, oh my God, we've got this organism that's doing this every year and it's it's getting better at it every year. and it it really makes the job of reporting less of a burden, and it's more more which leaves more time for focusing on strategic initiatives because you don't want to spend all your time on disclosures. You want to spend your time on advancing initiatives that add value to the business. And if you're not doing that and you're just reporting, the reports become very stagnant and stale without much to talk about. And that's why, The Carbon Neutral Operations Commitment by 2025, that's bold, right? Our formation of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee and what we've achieved there, really bold this last year. The Standalone Sustainability Committee of the Board of Directors, that's a huge achievement. And the announcement that we have a science-based carbon emissions Mm -hmm. target today, and we're the the first and only office REIT in North America with a a one-and-a-half-degree science-based target, Those, those things took a long time to pull together. And the reason why we have the bandwidth to do that is because we're not just focused on reporting and disclosure. We've, been, we've gotten that down, I think, at this point. And we just continue to, to try to move forward and lead the industry.
1: Yeah, last point on this, Michael, is that uh, Ben and I talk about this a lot. You know, you could have all these great goals in life and great goals in sustainability, but um, we, don't, we don't actually achieve the level of our goals. We, we fall to the level of our systems, right? And we've built muscle in our systems that allow you to have this compounded interest that Buffett talks about. So that's what Ben's talking about. This muscle just gets bigger every year because you've got systems in place. We are our habits. That's great. Ben, could you just
0: sort of like unpack some of the core components, some of the core Strategies that make up you know, the report and the strategy, just to give the audience some idea of you know, whether it's renewable energy or operations. Yeah. Where are you spending your, your time and your effort within the company?
2: I like to talk about a program in three buckets because three is the magic number that, that Coop taught me to use whenever we're, tr- we're explaining these <laughs> complex ideas. Always true. It's, he's, been, he's been a great mentor. Climate action, climate resilience, and social good. And so the climate action is all about green building, high performance building, LEED certified product. We have over half of our portfolio certified at the highest LEED gold and platinum levels. It's about energy and emissions and water and waste performance. And it's also about really looking at carbon critically. I know carbon is abstract. Mm-hmm. It happens to be very tightly correlated with climate-related disclosures. We saw the G7 just supported climate-related disclosures. You've got the UK committing to climate-related disclosures across all industries by 2025. The SEC is about to enter a rulemaking on climate-related disclosures because the Biden administration has basically commanded them to do so. So carbon is going to be everywhere. And you'll you won't buy a pair of shoes without right. a carbon label on it in a few right. years, and then resilience as a coastal city property owner, climate resilience and adaptation is hugely important. And, and Brian's been at the center of the Boston Green Ribbon Commission work in 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 the city that's leading the country on climate adaptation, the city of Boston. And so we, I think we're we're acutely aware of the amount of work and resources going to require to make our cities resilient. Not over the next decade, but really over the next century, uh, where we're going to see a huge amount of investment in, in cities like Boston to, to weather primarily sea level rise. So looking at our portfolio critically where are the risks. and then social good covers a whole lot. I think one of the things that was a, a revelation to me this last year is the connection of COVID-19 and green building healthy building practices and IAQ. And I'd always thought of healthy buildings as more of a social initiative than an environmental initiative. As Coop says, it's about the lives inside. How are we impacting the people in our buildings versus the environment? And so social good is healthy buildings, community involvement, that's volunteerism, philanthropy. And um, the last one is diversity, equity, inclusion. And, And you'll see a very expansive disclosure of gender and racial makeup at all levels of the company through senior management. You'll see a, a trend of greater gender diversity and almost a parity between men and, fem- and women at the company and new hires and a lot of action there uh, that, that has been, frankly, uh, I think, overdue for the industry to really critically look at uh, the composition. And, and the company is very much committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, improvement.
0: Yeah, it's so great. And again, we could spend hours going through the report and I'd love to come back and do this again, you know, maybe in the fall, because there's so much there that other people can learn from. Coop, you know, and I tease you all the time. Every time I see you you get younger and younger looking, (laughs) uh, I don't know how you do it, but I'm going the other way, uh, you know. Coop, when you, you know, you've been at this now, at Boston Properties, 22 years, you have had such a profound impact, not just on the company, but on our industry as a whole, right? Thank you. One of those real titans and legends in my mind and many, many others. And you've made with Ben, you know, at the helm of sustainability, ESG and inclusion at the company, made such remarkable progress. I know you got another 10 years in the tank, buddy. When you think about Coop, what is next? And I know you're never the guy to sit and rest on your morals. I just know, <laughs> pushing, right, Ben? He's, going, he's like, what's next? What's next? What is next? What are you looking at to accomplish over the next horizon?
1: Yeah, we have to hit net zero. And we really, I, I believe we can do it as a company and as an industry. That's our, our next goal. Along with the big thing that I think we can really click into now is the social good part and it all builds on itself michael in our, in our opinion just like sustainability having good techni- technical skills and systems and sustainability led to us being a advanced in healthy buildings which certainly paid off when in the pandemic the same is true for dni and that's the future and we want to leave an impact look there's two types of co- companies in our industry and and Both tactics are fine. You can be a missionary or a mercenary. And our company, because we're a long-term owner, we have the the blessing of being in a missionary position. And you have this longer-term view that Ben talks about. And you can think about what you want your organization's legacy to be. And then also we clicked into, we're not in the real estate business, Beckerman. We're in the Mm -hmm. space and place business. I love that. And Space and place drives behavior is our number one rule. And if you believe that commandment, space and place drive behavior, the impact you can have on human beings and our society and our community is just tremendous. Well said, my friend. Ben, when you look
0: at the next couple-year horizon, what are you most excited about? What are you most focused on? And what, what would you like to be able to look back on with, and, and realize that you've made great, great strides? What, what's yeah. next?
2: A few areas. First is a more proactive IAQ management. So looking at how we use carbon dioxide, PM2.5, and RH, and temperature sensing more outside air monitoring at scale across our portfolio to really dial in our understanding of of actual air quality in in our buildings. We're doing a lot of great things there already with testing and monitoring and just expanding that I think is a big focus. The other one is uh, executing on our carbon neutral operations commitment. Mm -hmm. We're not just buying offsets. uh, A third of our commitment is energy efficiency. So it's executing on what remains for our energy efficiency component of our carbon neutral operations commitment and shifting what remains of our power procurement, right? Today we have six out of 10 of our kilowatt hours are from green sources. So we've right. got, we got 40% to go. that we got to green up and work across all regions to get there. Boston, New York, San Francisco, DC, and LA. Boston, I should give Coop a shout out. He, 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 uh, he pushed us on this wind power deal from West Texas. We get our wind wrecks uh, that serve our entire portfolio. I think it's the Texas thing. That with our- <laughs> <laughs> a Texas thing. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was great. And then I think that there's two other quick things. Embodied carbon and right. getting a better grasp on our scope three emissions. Yes, I love I got my
0: hat. I got, I got to give a shout out to Stacy at some point with the hat.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of hard to abate sectors, uh, cement and steel that we need to, we need to address and it's going to take a coalition of, of folks to do it. And then finally, it's all about climate risk, TCFD, uh, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures Integration and getting climate risk and climate risk con- considerations integrated into more of our investment decision-making throughout the organization. And that's going to be a long-term project, but something I, I plan to advance over the next couple of years. Well, great, guys. We hope this is just the beginning of an
0: of ongoing dialogue between Crete Tech Climate and, and Boston Properties. And I mean this sincerely, Coop, you've been a mentor, you've been a dear friend. That's- Michael. You've made such an incredible impact on the industry in terms of development, you know, the skylines in which, you know, you've made better, the cities that have been better because Boston properties developed there, the technology led by Jim Whalen and his team has been Jim. really at the leading, leading edge. And Ben, what you're doing on the sustainability and the, the ESG front is really inspiring. And, you know, you're making such an impact throughout the entire world because people are following your lead. And, uh, you know, Know, my kids, your kids, Coop's grandkids—we're uh, yeah. all the beneficiaries of all the great work that you're doing. So,
2: Michael, I, I want to throw that compliment back at you because it's right. networks like CRE Tech that help this conversation move forward, and and we do need to move the conversation forward. So, appreciate you and what you're doing on sustainable. Yeah,
1: life. Michael, I think what you know—you've always heard my quote about two things will change your life: the books you read and the people you meet you've been a blessing in meeting you, but what your organization does is connect people. And that's so important for our industry to continue to grow. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it more than you realize and
0: uh, keep up all the great work, Ben and Coop. Great to spend time with you.
2: Same, Michael. Thank you.
0: Hi, Michael. Thanks, guys. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the CreTech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to having you join us next week.